Well, DC is known of, if not the first among the rankings as being the hardest working cities in America. People work hard here. You work hard here. Working on your job, or if you're a student, working hard as a student. With this city being known for its fast-paced lifestyle and positions of power and prestige, the culture of working hard and busyness is just in the air. I mean, you, you feel it. And you feel the pressure to work hard and be busy all the time because it's just the type of culture that we live in. So a lot of you all are exhausted from working hard on your job this past week. You're exhausted from working hard. You put in some long hours. Some of you guys even put in overtime. But not only are you tired and exhausted from, from working your job, but you're exhausted from just life in general. Just tired. Exhausted from life in general. Some of you, as we know as a church body, have just been in some hard seasons. Been in some hard seasons with the loss of loved ones or caring for loved ones, different health challenges, whether physical, mental, emotional, so forth and so forth. Or for some that we might know have been searching for a job only to, to reach dead ends. And the list can go on and on. As my wife says often, she says, life be life. <laughs> and that's your story. That's my story all of our stories not to mention our daily struggles with sin that also exhaust us and weigh us down so the reality of it is is we need rest anybody attest to that anybody want to testify to that that we need rest <laughs> we're in our passage this afternoon we learn from our Lord that he can provide the rest, the only rest, that we're all longing for. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. So you can turn there in your, your Bibles. It'll also be up on the screen. Or if you have your smartphone or whatever, you can pull it up on your phone as well. So Matthew, chapter 11. Verses 28 through 30 is where we're going to be. And as you turn there, just a little context about the book of Matthew is that uh, it's written by the Apostle Matthew. So Matthew was one of the disciples, one of the apostles uh, who wrote this book. Uh, and he's writing to a primarily Jewish audience uh, to reveal who the Messiah is and what the Messiah has done, the Lord Jesus. And so when we come to our passage this afternoon, we pick up after Jesus has rebuked uh, those cities where he had gone and done <clears throat> many mighty works, but they didn't repent, right? Then in verses 25 through 27, Jesus thanks the Father for making the truth about uh, him uh, known. And then Jesus affirms the authority that he has and the power to make himself known to all in whom he pleases, whom he chooses. And so now our passage. So. If you're there, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, here's what it says. It says, come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would speak now through your word. And Lord, that you would just bring a sense of peace and calm and just rest. As we're talking about rest this afternoon, that you would, yeah, uh, may your word rest upon our hearts this afternoon. And would you help us to, yeah, Lord, uh, believe it and trust it and be shaped by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if I had to summarize this passage, it may go something like this. Come to Jesus and receive rest. Come to Jesus and receive rest. So I have two points for this afternoon. If you take notes, point number one. Come to Jesus and receive physical rest. You see that in verse 28. Point two. Come to Jesus and receive spiritual rest. And we'll see that in verses 29 through 30. <clears throat> so let's look at the first one together. So number one, come to Jesus and receive physical rest. Look back with me at verse 28. Here's what it reads. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the first thing we notice here is the invitation from Jesus, right? The invitation, what he invites us to. He says, come to me. This invitation tells us a few things about Jesus off gate, as mentioned earlier. We learn from the verses before verse 28, uh, so verses 25 to 27, that Jesus is God, right? And because he's God, he can choose to reveal himself to whom he chooses, whom he pleases. Listen to verses 25 to 27 of Matthew 11. It says, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Now you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus refers to God the Father as Father, affirming his deity and the authority that he's received from the Father. So when we come to verse 28, this is the authority by which Jesus is speaking. God, himself being who he is, God. And so coming to Jesus also does this. It, it, it distinguishes Christianity from every other religion. This is what it does. It distinguishes us from every other religion. Jesus says, come to him and receive salvation. Other religions say, come and work for your salvation. Jesus says, come and rest from your works to save yourselves and rest in my work alone to save you. This is the big difference between what we believe as Christians and what every other religion believes. Religion says, legalism says, come. Work hard. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And once you put in the work, you will be saved.
saved. You can receive salvation. But the good news of the gospel is not that. The good news of the gospel can be summarized in these three words found at the start of verse 28. Come to me. Good news of the gospel can be summarized in those three words. Come to me. And the only reason we can come to him is because he came to us first. And so this is the good news of the gospel. Notice also that Jesus doesn't say come to sound teaching. Although sound teaching is what you receive when you come to Jesus. And when you're a part of any gospel preaching church that's truly following Jesus and his word. Nor did he say come to the gospel. Although we know that we are saved only by the message about Jesus in the gospel. Jesus says, come to me, a person. Come to me. Sometimes we forget this, don't we? We sometimes forget this, don't we? We're, we're not learning theology for theology's sake. There's a person who the theology is about and points to. It's Jesus. There's a person who the gospel message reveals and calls us to relish in. And it's this person, when we come to him, who already knows us well and is able to sympathize with us in every way. Think about Hebrews 4.15. So then the question is, who is qualified to come to him? Who is qualified to come to Jesus? Look back down at the text. It says, not some. It doesn't say just a few. It says, but all can come. To him freely. So Brother Brock read this before the sermon, but Isaiah 55 1 says, Come. So, similar command Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Revelation 22 17. Similar command, so where we are in Matthew 11 and what I just read in Isaiah 55 and now Revelation 22 verse 17 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And the, let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires to take water of life without price. This again is just a reminder of what Jesus has to offer is free. Freely given, freely available to all who will come to him. This isn't universalism that says every person will come to Jesus. Again, all who come to him are who he has chosen to re reveal himself to. What it says in verse 27. We believe in biblical election here at CHCC, as Jesus taught and as the other apostles taught. One of other many places where the Bible teaches this, John 6, 4, 4, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So this is the reality, right? You can only come to Jesus unless he, yeah, well, one, he's come to us first, unless the Father draws you to him. That's who comes. That's who comes. But in our passage, Jesus is combating the legalistic views of the religious leaders of his day while at the same time providing a comforting word 
to those weighed down by the legalistic system. Hence, the all who come to him are those who labor and are heavy laden. So the words labor and heavy laden mean, uh, as other translations like the Christian Standard Bible puts it, all who are weary and burdened. That's what it means to, to be weary and to be burdened. So the people during this time were weary and weighed down by the burden of trying to keep the law. Right? These were roughly 613 laws that the Jews were to keep. And as you and I know, it's impossible to keep 613 laws, let alone one. Let alone one. So Jesus even calls out the religious leaders for their faking and fronting like they're keeping these laws when they were not. What does he say? He says this in Matthew 23, verse 4. He says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. This is Jesus talking about the religious leaders of the day. He's saying, look, look, they, they put all this in place. They put these barriers they put a fence around the law, but they themselves aren't even keeping it themselves. But what they have done is they have created, they have made a burden, a, a bigger burden for people to keep. So for Jesus to promise rest, I'm sure for the audience then and for us today, brings a sweet calm. Brings a sweet peace over them and us today. This promise to give us rest is an echo of the verse in Jeremiah 31, verse 25 that says, For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. This is what Jesus offers us. Are you weary? Are you weighed down by burdens this afternoon, saints? Let this promise of rest that Jesus provides wash over us this afternoon. Let it wash over you. Let it minister to you deeply, intimately, personally this afternoon. Here's what Jesus says to you and me who are weary and weighed down by burdens. If you are tired and taxed by your responsibilities at work, I will give you rest. If you are weak and weighed down by health challenges, I will give you rest. If you are grieving the loss of loved ones and friends, I will give you rest. If you are suffering and struggling with sin, I will give you rest. If you feel like you're failing as a dad, look to the unfailing Heavenly Father on this Father's Day. And guess what? Find rest. This is what God offers us this afternoon. Rest. But the rest that Jesus promises here isn't a rest or a ceasing from labor completely. We would, we would like that to be. Right? We would hope that to be. Well, that'll, that'll come one day, right? It's the type of rest, as one scholar mentions, the rest in mind is the rest that enables the worker to go back to the task with renewed vigor. This is the type of rest that Jesus provides. So basically what is being said here in this quote is that we all must keep running this race. We all got to keep running the race, but rest 
that Jesus provides reinvigorates us to continue running well. That's what he's saying here. So one example, now I know some of the wives, maybe uh, mine especially, uh, is, is, is happy that the NBA season is finally over. Right. Happy. Got me back. I've been, I've been there, but you lose me for a few months or so. I'm, I'm watching basketball. I love it. But it's really not over, is it? Babe? We have the NBA draft coming up. Uh, we got the, the summer league coming up. So it's, it's never ending in October. We'll, we'll be here before you know it. But the example is it's kind of like an NBA team. The players got to still show up and play, right? You still got to show up and play. They got to, yeah, show up to the game, put in the work, play. But the coach is also there writing up the plays for the team to run, right? And he's calling the timeouts at the right time to allow players to rest. The coach is also encouraging the players throughout the game and during halftime. And if the team is struggling in the game, or let's say for some chance uh, they may lose the game, the coach is going to encourage the players to not give up and to play better the next game. So it is with Jesus and us. He's calling all the plays. He gives us encouragement to keep our heads in the game when we are struggling, when we feel like we are failing, when we are falling. He'll never condemn you or me. He'll only encourage us when we mess up. And the biggest difference between that example and what the Lord Jesus provides is that we'll never lose with Jesus. Because the game is already won. He's already won it for us. So the encouragement for us, saints, is to, to stay in the game. Stay in the game. Jesus will help you. He will help me. He will give you the rest you and I need to persevere. Amen? Amen. So that's number one. Come to Jesus and receive physical rest. Now number two. Come to Jesus and receive spiritual rest. Back with me at verses 29 through 30. Here's what it says. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says here to take his yoke upon you. What, what, what is yoke? We don't use that in 2023, do we? In, in just normal conversation, right? <laughs> the egg yoke or something like that, right? But not <laughs> the word yoke here, as one definition uh, puts it, it refers to a wooden cross piece fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to a plow or a cart. A yoke allows two animals to share a load and pull it together. Yokes were used in Bible times primarily with bulls or oxen to plow fields or pull wagons. The animals yoked together needed to be close in size and weight for the cart or plow to pull evenly. So essentially, it was a wooden cross piece that was on two animals used to plow or to pull wagons to help with agricultural things, farming, this, that, and the third. So we see yokes mentioned in other places of the Bible. For example, when King Rehoboam 
uh, uses it to instill a heavier load on the people. What does it say here in First Kings, excuse me, twelve eleven? It says, "And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions." So we see that this, yeah, this king trying to puff up a bit with his power is going to instill a heavier load on the people. Or when breaking a yoke. Uh, it's symbolized as freedom. It's also symbolized as freedom from oppression. Here in Isaiah 10, verse 27, it says, And in that day his burden will depart from your shoulder, and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be broken because of the fat. So you see this idea of, of yeah, freedom taking place, the yoke being broken. Or, lastly, and I'm pretty sure famously known by us and so many around the world, when Paul writes to discourage Christians from entering into intimate relationships with non-Christians, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. The yoke Jesus provides is different though. Here's how one scholar puts it. I love it. He says, in contrast with this yoke, Jesus is holding out to his followers the thought of a yoke that was easy, not bondage. It was not that he demanded less from his followers, for the Sermon of the Mount or Sermon on the Mount showed that he looked for more, but it was of a different kind and in a different spirit, so that it was kindly not a burden. Jesus provides freedom, y'all, not bondage. This is consistent with what the Bible teaches elsewhere. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Galatians 5, 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So anyone yoked to Jesus can experience rest from burdens, not wait from burdens. This is what he wants to teach us as he says, learn from me. If you continue on in the passage where he says, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Which is the same phrase we find in the Great Commission. Make disciples. So it's the same idea here. Learn from me, make disciples. Jesus wants to disciple us in his rest. That's what he wants to do. He wants to disciple us in his rest. He wants to teach us how to be more like him. And the more we take upon his yoke, the more we learn from him, the more our service to him will be a delight and not duty. And, that's good. and we can take his yoke and learn from him because of who he is. What does the text say he is? That he is gentle and lowly in heart. This is who our Savior is. Listen to it. Look at verse 29. It says, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. 
The word gentle is the same word for meek. It means to be quiet. It means to be gentle. It's the same that Jesus calls his followers to be. So you think with me in uh, the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 5. He says here, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So blessed are the gentle, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Paul affirms this of our Lord in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. He says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. See that? He says he entreats them by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's who he is. Our Lord is a gentle Lord. Gentle. And as Savior, He deals with us gently. Praise God. Isn't this a sweet news that our Savior deals with us gently? We deserve to be treated harshly because of our sin, but He is kind to us. He's not the type of king who rules harshly and treats us like peasants, He instead treats us as His prized possession. But don't confuse his kindness for weakness, though. He is very kind. He is very gentle. But he is not to be played with. His wrath is quickly kindled. He takes his holiness very seriously. Think about Psalm 2.12. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. But not only is he gentle, he is also lowly. And that word lowly means to be humble. This is a wonderful truth. There's not an ounce of pride in our Not an ounce of pride in him. Just sheer humility. Philippians 2, as we've studied before, is clear on this. Philippians 2, 5-8 says, Have this mind among yourselves. So Paul there is telling the church of Philippi to have this mind of yourselves, the same mind of Jesus, which is what? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he what? Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is the epitome of the quote by the late pastor Tim Keller that says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Are you gentle and lowly like our Savior, saints? Are you gentle and lowly? Are you meek and humble like the Lord Jesus? Jesus is gentle and lowly, so much so that anyone who comes to him finds rest for their souls. This is an eternal rest. This is a, a final, a full, complete rest in the presence of the one who provides rest. So, non-Christian, this is the rest your soul needs. 
This is the rest you were created for. But you're fallen just like I am, just like we all are, and deserving of God's righteous wrath, where there will be no rest, where there will be no breaks, where there will be no timeouts. Just wrath poured out. But where you and I fell, Christ succeeded in our place, perfectly obeying God, receiving our punishment on the cross where he bled and died, made the grave his home temporarily, and rose on the third day, offering eternal life, eternal rest to all who would turn from their sins and turn to him by faith, putting their trust in Jesus alone. Non-Christian, this is the good news of the gospel that we want to hold out to you today. Receive him and receive eternal life. Receive eternal rest. Christian, this is the good news you've already received, but that you keep on receiving. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And because you've received Jesus, you already possess this eternal rest. Now that will be fully realized in heaven. But the encouragement I would give to you, Christian, and to myself, is for us to rest from any of our works that we think will secure our spot in heaven. Your spot is already secure. You already have a spot. And Jesus is the one who won that for you. Jesus is the, the way that you have received that, by receiving him. Not anything that you can do or will do. Don't be the player on the team still playing like you're trying out for the team. You know that person. You know somebody who's on the court, they hooping, they balling, whatever they're doing, and they're still trying to impress the coach. Now, it's not to say you can't put in hard work. It's not to say you can't play well, play hard, but they're still trying to yeah, get approval from the coach as if they aren't already on the team. They are already on the team. The same is true for us Christians. You have already made the team. And it wasn't because of your own merit, only because of God's mercy. Jesus ends here in verse 30 with saying, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What this means is, as one puts it, an easy yoke meant that the burden being shouldered was not heavy because Jesus Christ would be pulling it with us. Kind of like if, 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 if I was bench pressing right now, right, and I got mad weights on the bench press. I have no spotter. I need a spotter. I'm in desperate need of a spotter. <laughs> about to, this weight is about to fall on my neck. And then Brother Brock comes through, who can lift the whole house. He comes through, and he spots me. He takes the weight that I couldn't hold myself, and he bears it for me. This is what the Lord Jesus has done for us. The burdens, the weight, can't be shouldered in and of ourselves on our own. But the good news of Christ is that he would be shouldering it with us.
Amen. Helping us. Thank you. So find encouragement in that afternoon. Just a few applications and then we'll close. Christians, Jesus provides us physical rest. But he also gives us wisdom on ways that we can provide physical rest for ourselves. Right? Different ways that we might find rest. This could be, for some of us, taking a nap. Or going to bed at a decent time of the night. So just ways that, that you can apply this and, and yeah, achieve physical rest that you are longing for. So, so get some rest. Get some actual sleep. Try to nap if you can. Y'all know I'm not a napper. I'm trying. But I rest in other ways. Other things like consistently, yeah, get an exercising schedule. Eat well. This also assists. This also helps with physical rest and well-being. Maybe for some of us, Jesus wants to provide us rest in the form of two, two letters, N-O. No. Saying no to some good things that will allow you to remain faithful and do the things that you're already doing with excellence. So for some of us, that, that physical rest that we are longing for and need of is just by simply saying no. <laughs> saying no to some things for the best things for the things that you're already doing that you have to show up for and be faithful to again to Christians Jesus provides a spiritual rest I think maybe the application here for, for, for all of us for sure would be to repent and turn away from the works that we think will secure our spot in heaven if any of us yeah, are relying on our works or things that we do or think we can do that's going to get us into heaven, we need to repent of that. We need to turn from that. And we need to rest and rely more and more on Jesus' works alone. So, so the application for some of us would be to, re I would encourage us to reflect sometime this week. To reflect on, yeah, like how am I relying more and more on Jesus' works? Or do I find myself relying on my works, my merit? And I want you to align, I want you to line that up <laughs> with what God says in this word. That the reminder, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that we are not saved by our works. By grace through faith, not our works. So I want you to, yeah, take that, line it up with God's word, what he says. Do some self-reflection. Pray about that. Seek the Lord on that. Repent of that. Turn from that. And then, another application. And I believe it was Jen Wilkin, some of my wife was sharing with me, uh, something that you all ladies are, are studying uh, in the book of Hebrews, I'm jealous, man. This has been this, it's an encouraging study that I've been hearing, uh, how the Lord's been using that. Uh, but something that my wife shared with me that I thought was very applicable, where Jen Wilkins says in one of the chapters, uh, one of the studies, she says, what will keep any of us from rest? Sin. Sin. And so the daily rhythm for all of us as Christians is to be repenting and believing. Repenting and believing. 
That's the that's the daily rhythm that we are to have as Christians. That we've already repented from our sins and we've received Christ uh, at conversion, but we continue to follow Jesus. And continuing to follow Jesus is a daily a daily renouncing of self and a relying on Him. And so another thing that I would encourage all of us to do uh, to reflect on would be how often are you confessing your sins to God and repenting of your sins to God? How often are you doing that? And then, second question, how regularly are you confessing your sins to one another? As we are called to confess our sins to one another and to be prayed for. So how often are you doing that? Just another thing to this week sometime for you to apply man like how am I relying on self in this moment and relying more on Jesus that's what we're all called to let's not be prideful and puffed up we're all sinners mm-hmm. <laughs> saved by God's grace Amen. we all struggle with sin we're all none of us when we come in here every week and when you see us throughout the week we're all limping yeah. we're all limping our way to heaven yeah. the call for the church is to help one another limp together that's what we're doing. So, so hear me when I say this. I, I've said this before and will continue to say this. Like We are in a gospel-centered community. Which means all of us has re- have received this gospel. <laughs> and we continue to receive this gospel. And we need this gospel. Because we are a mess. We're all a mess. And we need God's help. Daily. Your mess may, like, your mess may look different than my mess. But I have mess. And you do too. And we need to all take our mess and give it to God together daily. So that's the call. So how often are you doing that? I want to encourage us to be doing that daily. To be reflecting upon, yeah, our sin and our need for the Savior. Lastly, non-Christian. To use that same illustration, what Jen Wilkins said, our sister. Your sin is keeping you from experiencing rest in God. And I pray, <clears throat> I, I pray in some ways that, yeah, that, that, that one, you would find that rest, but also pray that, that God would, yeah, that he would, he would, yeah, haunt you <laughs> with the reality of, of if you don't turn from your sin, that it won't be eternal rest that you will be entering into if you die and when you die. But it will be eternal damnation. And so what we're offering to you today is eternal rest. Turn from sin. Turn to him by faith. So in conclusion, go to Jesus and be refreshed now and for all of eternity. This is what Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 is telling us. Come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And find refreshment now and for all of life. Let me pray as Sister Nikki comes back up. Jesus, we thank you for 
your word, and we thank you for, yeah, what you have said to us today from your word, that all of us can come to you and find rest. Jesus, we need it badly. Ways physically, and for those of us who are Christians, we have received it spiritually, but we long for that day. We'll enter into eternal rest. God, give us strength. Give us endurance. Give us perseverance as we long for that day. Thank you for the rest that we find solely in you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.